you have any questions for me? How are you, where are you holding in this dialogue right now? I know we spoke two years ago. Where, where's your heart? Where do you, where do you stand? I'm talking to my dear friend Gila. Uh, I've spoken to you once before on my channel. It was really one of my favorite conversations that I've done. Um, I know you as a, a pillar of like the Long Island Jewish community, as a beloved dentist um, in the community. And I always, always just love talking to you. Um, how are you doing, you. Gila? Thank you. It's very mutual. I, I was just, before we hit record, I was saying that I love your energy, Amichai, and I love your natural curiosity. Even if we think differently, there's always respect there and it's not confrontational. It's just a very easy conversation to have. So I appreciate you. you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, you know, just to start, I would love to talk to you about your work as a dentist, you know, um, I assume you're still working as a dentist, right? I, I assume that hasn't changed, right? Very much so. It's I assume. only gotten busier. <laughs> good. That's good. I mean, I, as I mentioned before, like, I yeah, you're you're known in my circles of of like you know friends as as like a beloved dentist. Um, and so, what what drew you to that profession? So I knew I wanted to be in the medical field. My parents were both in the medical field. And uh, I, I entertained the notion of being a doctor for a while, but then I realized I couldn't be um, the mother I wanted to be and you know, a full-time physician. Um, that would be too hard to balance. And then I was gonna be a nurse for a while, but then I knew my personality on is I wanted to be my own boss eventually. I didn't wanna take orders my whole life. So um, I loved my dentist growing up, Dr. Diddy Horowitz in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Shout out to you, Dr. Diddy. Um, and I, he was very beloved to me. And I realized in hindsight that um, we have these soul contracts in life, things that like shimmer in our consciousness that we're not sure why, but in hindsight makes sense. So the fact that I loved my dentist as a kid makes no sense. Um, but in hindsight, it makes perfect sense that I had that positive association. So I was drawn to it um, later in life. And you know, that connection only gets stronger. I realized that this was a big part of my soul's contract to become a dentist, I think, to experience the kind of autonomy that I needed, financial autonomy. Um, I didn't have to worry about being fired or, or um, speaking my mind or doing what I wanted in my office for this time. So everything in life I see now, it builds on itself um, if you follow your soul's journey. Yeah. I, I think of dentistry as one of those um, amazing miracles of the modern world that we sort of take for granted. Um, like if you read older uh, essayists, um, just people writing from the 1800s, early 1900s, they just talk about the agony of a toothache. Um, there's like a famous essay by like uh, Thomas de Quincey where I, I, this might be apocryphal, but it's it's been quoted in a lot of different places where he says that like a quarter of all human misery is a toothache. Um, and in the modern world, we just, we just, you know, sheltered from that, you know, we're shielded from that to a large extent because of dentistry, right? Yeah, well, I heard that one in three deaths used to be from dental infection before antibiotics. So it was a big part of misery in life before, you know, the modern day. How, how do you think about that, that progression from that pre-modern world to the modern world with respect to dentistry? Like what, what precipitated such you know profound change in our capacities as a society to to heal 
from the perspective of teeth? Well, teeth is always a mechanical fix. Teeth, most people don't realize this. Teeth have no ability to regenerate. The rest of the body has cellular turnover. Teeth do not. So when a tooth goes bad and decays, it's only going to go in one direction. It doesn't get better. And that's a major difference between teeth and the rest of the body. Um, so I think the advent of, you know, technology and uh, antibiotic, everything that advanced in the medical world just helped dentistry become so much better. Mm -hmm. it, it, it went from tooth pulling to tooth saving. You know, it used to just be, but, you know, the only choice was to pull the tooth. Yeah. Now that's the last choice. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Do you ever encounter people who are skeptical about some of your procedures? Like I have an, I have a relative, a close relative who uh, had needed a filling and she got a filling and then she was convinced that the filling like messed up her health, like that she was just convinced. Um, do you ever encounter something like that um, where people like don't like different types of fillings? How, how do you how do you deal with that? How do you think about that? OK, so there's so much contrary, like everything else with all the different theories coming. We're living in a time of apocalypse, which is revealing of truth. And the, I was just having this conversation with my, my office manager that just because I'm a conspiracy theorist doesn't mean I buy into every conspiracy. Like, I remember you asked me last time about flat earth and I hadn't even heard of that. I don't buy into flat earth, it doesn't make sense to me. I've, I've read some things I've, and I mostly pass it through the filter of my own seichel and just, it doesn't make sense. I've heard other things about a toroidal field that make more sense. Um, in terms of uh, fillings, I have gotten away from the amalgam fillings because I I think it does it does contain some toxic. Hold on. Sure. Candles messing me up. Sure. Um, um, it does contain um, toxic ingredients. So I've gotten over to the white fillings and I don't use the silver fillings anymore because there was a lot of alarm bells that went off with it. I don't, I take minimal x-rays. I, I don't overload on x-rays with patients. What else don't I do? Um, fluoride. But do you ever get well, a situation yes. where like a patient feels like they really know something and you disagree and you think the patient is just misled because I mean, they didn't go to dental yes. school. Yeah. Yes. No, the main, here's the, I'm so happy you're letting me talk about this. That's the main thing people don't understand is that um, teeth do not grow back. And there's a big um, problem that I see that people are talking about root canals and how root canals are toxic for the body. And I say, what's the alternative? Tell me a better alternative. And it's not pulling out a tooth because then you have to put an implant in, which is titanium, which is not organic. It's not a great replacement. And it has a whole host of, of problems that come along with implants. Implants don't really replace the shape of a tooth. So it becomes a food trap and thereby a problem to the adjacent teeth where when food is always collecting, the adjacent teeth can decay. So. People who want to start pulling teeth because they, they hear that root canals are toxic, don't do it. As my as a dental expert, and I see from beginning to end of what that spectrum looks like, it's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. I understand if there's a chronic dental infection under a root canal, that's a different story. There's other options for that. But if you had a successful root canal, the infection is healed and you had beautiful, you have beautiful bone healing under there, keep your tooth keep your tooth. I'm, I'm a dentist. I've been a dentist 23 years. You think people tend to minimize or take for granted sort of the expertise that a dentist acquires by the process of going through dental school, the process of training, and I assume a kind of residency programs and 
uh, shadowing and then and then having patience. Do you think there's like a tendency to just like, um, yeah, not appreciate sort of the, the value of all that work that goes into making a dentist? Uh, I'm not sure. It depends on the nature of the person speaking. Um, I do think that the most valuable thing that a dentist can offer is the anecdotal experience. More than the training, more than the schooling, is the date, you know, the the longevity of my career and just seeing the progression of teeth. That's that's the dentist I would speak to. The dentist who's who's not going to show you a million case studies or or journals. They're like in my practice, this is what I see day to day. And and Amichai, it's like it's so frustrating because there's so much information and misinformation out there. And just because it's new information about root canals, about floor, you know, some of it is accurate and some of it is, is um, helpful to daily life. And some of it, you, this is, there's such a hard time to be living through now, not knowing what to believe anymore. Mm-hmm. What, what do you, you mentioned just now, like um, journals and, and studies and things like that. What, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think there's value in the world of dentistry um, to look at, to, to do studies of different populations and to collect data about the outcomes associated with different procedures? I've been very jaded by anything published. I think a lot of things are bought and sold and paid for and, and there's the advertising and, and the big pharma. It's, you know, I don't put a lot of stock in, 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 uh, journal publications anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that, I think they'd be lying to us. Okay. Um, Last time we spoke, we 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 brought up fluoride. Um, how, how do you feel about fluoride these days as a dentist? Um, I think fluoride is, is is not a good thing. I don't I don't really know. I I was taught that fluoride prevents decay. I'm not sure anymore. Okay. I don't know. I know that that the powers that be and the powers that were because they are they have significantly lost their power. Um, the powers that were wanted to dumb down society and make us more receptive to mind control. And I think fluoride might've been one of those mechanisms. Mm -hmm. So I don't use it and I never did it. And also just in terms of dentistry, I never did sealants. I don't agree with sealants. I think sealants is a financial scam, which is very controversial to say. And, um, and fluoride, I never gave it because also felt financially wrong to charge people. It's like putting moisturizer on your skin one time a year. Mm-hmm. What help is that going to do? So I felt if, I, if a patient, when I believed in fluoride, back when I thought that it, it prevented decay, I would give them the toothpaste, the prescription toothpaste. I was like, here, use this every day. A, a single fluoride treatment ain't, ain't going to do much. So I feel like it's a, it's a way that, um, that dentists have, have made money through the mm-hmm. fluoride treatment. And, and that's why I never did it. And looking back, that more inner moral moral compass saved me. I didn't want to scam people financially. So now that I found out fluoride is toxic, I'm happy that I followed that moral compass. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure what a fluoride treatment is. That's a, is that different from like toothpaste with fluoride, or is that like a similar? Yeah, it's what they do. You never had this as a kid. They put the trays in your mouth, and they mm-hmm. leave you, and they they leave you for like what feels like eternity with the squishy stuff. It's a fluoride treatment. There's like trays mm-hmm. that they put this foam into and they squish it. Yeah, I, I remember that. I remember that as a kid. Yeah. I had all sorts of dental stuff. The stuff that's most prominent in my mind is when I was in college, I got my front two teeth knocked out. And then I had a root canal at uh, one o'clock in knocked the morning. Out? Yeah, I got knocked out. My front two teeth are prosthetics. Um, 
I took an elbow, an elbow to the face. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I have a relative who's a like a, a dentist and, and does like root canals and all that. And he was kind enough to see me at one o'clock in the morning in his office. Yeah. And um, I wasn't responding to Novocaine. So it was quite a, quite a painful experience, but um, it all worked out. <laughs> no, it looks good from here. Thank you. Yeah. On Zoom, it's fine. Um, <laughs> that's good. But um, no, so that, that, that's just, I do remember that, that fluoride treatment. Um, but again, so I guess, so, so, that, so the fluoride treatment you're, you're very clear on, but in the, like, but fluoride more generally, like fluoride in the water, fluoride. Well, what in do you teeth. have there now? You don't have your natural two front teeth. What, what do you have? Yeah. This it's like a prosthetic. It's um it implants. No, it's implants. Oh, implants. Yeah, implants. it's it's full implants. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. I can't I, I can't floss it. It's connected. The front two teeth are fully connected. Yeah. <laughs> right, but it's two single implants up there. I I guess so. I, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's two screws. Yeah. Yeah. Screws. Yeah. Anyway, so that, that those were those were my uh, dental adventures. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. But but fluoride, fluoride toothpaste, fluoride in the water. Is that is that the same or different from fluoride treatments in your mind? Um. It's all, I think it's all a way of getting fluoride into the system. I think mm -hmm. it's, I would avoid all of that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't um, do it to my kids, my patients, myself. Okay. Um, masks. Do you guys, do you do masks in the office? How do you guys feel about masks? We've always, masks are, are ADA compliance since I graduated in school. I wore masks. So I always wore a mask. That's why masks came around. I was like. I'm the OG mask wearer. I've been wearing a mask for free forever at work. Right. And I knew at work to take it down in between patients. I never wore it full time because right. you can't breathe. Right. So so do you believe masks are effective at at stopping the transmission of, of viruses? Oh, no. come on. So then why so why do you you it's, wear masks? It says it on the box. I wear a mask so when I have food in my teeth, my patients don't see it. Okay. I wear a mask because when I get this close and I have coffee breath, they don't have to smell it. A good reason yeah a good reason those are my real reasons but not but but like how about like um coughing and sneezing like do, do people cover up to prevent the transmission of of like viruses and and things like that or no Definitely. i mean that's basic common sense you don't want to cough on mm -hmm. someone right but 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 i'm trying to understand if, if masks are effective in the same way as in terms of preventing no they're not effective in that masks, way masks in my opinion were used to de dehumanize Okay. And make us into zombies. What advice would you give to someone watching this or, or a loved one who's considering the dental field or the medical field like you were back in the day? Oh God, that's such a good question. <laughs> I would say stay the hell away. Dental field, fine. Medical field, no, stay away. It's, it's, it's pure infiltration. That's how they got us. The government and the medical field in cahoots, that's how they got us. Do you know any doctors? Do you have friends who are doctors? I'm married to a doctor. I know a lot of doctors. Yes. Yeah. And they're the most brain of the most indoctrinated and brainwashed group because they, it, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. They we didn't know what we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. What is what is a psyop? Such a you. I mean, did you write these down? These are great questions. What is a psyop? Is a psychological operation. What does that mean? What does that look like in practice? What are some examples of psyops? What, where do they come from? What 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 are they? What are, what's the point of a psyop? A uh, psyop is to get control of the masses through brainwashing. 
what Q is a psyop to reverse the brainwashing, it's reverse engineering. We were slowly put to sleep through the media, the psyop of the media, constantly bombarded, flicker rates and, you know, just the messages that come through, um, through commercials and TV, movies, put us to sleep. And what is Q? Q is this, you have to do it gradually. You have to undo, you have to wake people up so slowly that they, so they don't freak out. Mm -hmm. So they're not traumatized when you're awake. It's like actually waking somebody up. You don't want to startle them. So that's, that's how I view the Q movement. Mm -hmm. Who's, who's responsible for this? Is there like um, a, a small cabal of people how, how do you think about the people like the puppet masters that that sort of orchestrate the psyops? Well, there's light and dark. There's you can mm -hmm. use anything for good or for evil. So the mm -hmm. uh, the globalist capitalist, you know, Satanist cabal that has run the world, the planet. Um, they use psyops for evil to get world domination. And then there's the counter psyop, which is a small group of military intelligence, the most elite globally, that have that understood that we have one chance to save planet Earth. And they actually did something, and they created the counter plan to the you know world economic evil plan mm -hmm. of of enslaving humanity. They wanted to liberate humanity. So that's what's going on as me and you are living our daily lives. This is the war that's being fought behind the scenes. If you wanted to introduce someone to this idea of psyops, uh, and you wanted to say like this is this is an example, like the most clear example of like a of a clear psyop, where where would where would some, where should someone start to sort of learn about to understand to get a sense of like this is what a psyop is. This is an example of a psyop that was going on or happened in the past. Well, for me, it was it was COVID. I, I first awakened, you know, the minute COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And I understood that you don't shut down a planet in two weeks without tremendous preparation beforehand. And I understood that there was an ad campaign ready to roll within a couple of days. So to me, if you look at COVID, you'll see the hallmarks of a PSYOP. Mm -hmm. okay. Using fear, using fear is a big tactic using uh you know ad campaigns using um that's basically it just yeah here. um let's talk about anti-semitism for a second sure. um there's a lot of history is filled with anti-semitism you know we say on passover that every generation we encounter anti-semitism um what do you think about anti-semitism in the truth or movement what has your experience been with that oh it's been awful it's been there's so much of it and it just showed me that there's there's no real safe space i thought because these people were awakened that gave the appearance of being awakened but this part of it being in a psyop is understanding that there are infiltrations and i think the greatest infiltration is has always been I think the point of the game right now is is to try to you know diminish the light in the world. This is the war of light against dark, right? So who's the bearers of the light are the Jewish people. We, we have carried the Torah 
for 3,334 years. Torah is the light, right? So they're going to try every which way. If we're, if we're, if we look at it spiritually and that this is the, the war on God, they're going to try every, every venue that they can get into to discredit the Jew, to vilify the Jew, to, to paint the Jew as evil. And it's more confusing, Amichai, because the, there is a group that pretends to be Jewish, the Arab Rab, right? Mm -hmm. So they, what they do when they do their evil in the world, and I think when we talk about the small cabal of people that run the world, I think a lot of them hide under, hide inside Judaism. So inside the truther community, the people just waking up um, are saying, oh my God, the people that run the earth are Jews. And no, they're not. They're people pretending to be Jews, but they're really worshiping not God. Do you want to say they're worshiping Lucifer or Satan? So it is super confusing and you have to be very discerning when you're just waking up to understand that there's within the truth community, there's people who are saying Jew and there are people who are saying Satanist. And to me, that is the big differentiator between between people using the truth movement to continue with anti-Semitism and using the truth movement to actually get at the truth. And the truth is, is that the Jews are not at fault. And the Jews, the everyday Jew, like me and you, are just like everybody else, just trying to, to understand what's happening in the world right now, just trying to, to protect our families. And when the truth or community turns sour, turns south, down that dark alley of blaming the Jews again, I became very vocal again. You know, like I find myself, my calling is changing as the years go on inside this time of great awakening. And now it's been my calling to say, hey, Jews are, are being thrown under the bus again, and it's not okay. We now understand who is responsible for this attempt at world domination. And it is not the Jewish people, it is people pretending to be Jewish people. So that's that's a very big distinction to understand right now. Mm -hmm. When you have these like sort of important voices in the truther community who espouse anti-Semitism, do you think they're just confused? Like maybe they, they're they leaping to conclusions they shouldn't be leaping to, or do you think there's something more sinister there? Do you think they're like, it's an evil, kind of anti-Semitism. How do you think think about that? I think it's both. I think the people who are newly awakened and reading and never met a Jew in their life, mm -hmm. they're okay, it's the Jews. Mm -hmm. You know, they get confused. They get sucked in. And that's the point of the evil ones who are doing it intentionally within the truth or community, putting up memes that have Jewish stars and, and all the names of the people that we know, like Soros and, you know, all the Jews that are implicated in in this evil cabal so they there's no reason to say jew anymore now that we understand that there there are people worshiping satan and doing evil things there's there's no reason to say jew we know better now we know mm -hmm. better mm -hmm. it's the highest level to negate anti-semitism in my opinion because we have a different name for it now we can we can we don't have to say jew anymore we can say satanist mm -hmm. We could say globalist. We could say um, Illuminati. There's a million other words. And, and they want us to say Jew because they want to deflect off themselves and then yeah. get the Jews killed. 
Why do you think every generation the Jews get killed? Because these elite divert and they they do the evil and they blame us and then we take the fall. That's been the game. Mm -hmm. To me, it seems like there's some red flags. Like if I was going to address someone in the audience who holds anti-Semitic beliefs, you know, I would I would ask them to like ask themselves, you know, do you know a Jew? Are you familiar with what Judaism is? You know, have you have you learned about um, the Holocaust? Have you read books on on the topics of the Holocaust and history? And if not, then then you should at least have some doubts. You should at least have some openness, some skepticism. You know, um, I think it's very easy for us in general to overestimate our knowledge, especially of other people, of other groups um, that are foreign that we've never met, that have like scary names or dress differently. You know. Um, and I, I would in, just encourage like anti-Semites in the audience to um, just just maintain a kind of humility and like a less of a certainty when it comes to these things. Absolutely. It's 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 a personality that's looking to blame somebody and something for all the ills in the world. And that's a lower vibration personality. It, there's no generalizing anymore. Each human being stands on their own merit. You can't clump together people to scapegoat anymore because we're that's not where we're going as a planet we're going to a place this is where i believe we're in the Mashiach, the age of redemption 3d earth to 5d earth and the lower frequencies of hatred of discrimination of fear all these energies are coming up right now for us to burn them off and mm -hmm. if you want to make it to the other side you need to learn how to expand your consciousness with love through the heart space that's what what's going to get us there so now is is the time to do this work on on yourself if you're out there and you're still in a space of hate it's important if you want to make this shift we're shifting if you want to make this shift it's it's important to to see the world through love through the eyes of love yeah i agree I, i'm also i also do have a lot of empathy for those perspectives um to just give my own uh, specific examples, uh, example right now, um, I, I'm friendly with, I, I don't know, I, I've consumed a lot of their podcasts. I, I assume you haven't because they're very uh, prolific. They put out a lot of stuff. But one of the things they go on and on about is uh, Gnosticism, Gnostics being the source of all evil, Gnostics being anti-God, Gnostics being um, anti-childbirth. And, and when I talk to them and when I listen to them, it's obvious to me they've never met a Gnostic. Gnosticism is a religion. They've never met someone who holds that belief. You know, they, they don't know the first thing about Gnostic texts. Um, a deep irony of when I hear them talk about Gnosticism is, is they don't even understand there's actually a very close relationship between Gnosticism and Gnostic uh, uh, ideas of mysticism and Kabbalah. Uh, what's his name? Um, Gershom Sholem wrote a book called uh, Jewish Gnosticism, which is about the relationship between the Zohar uh, and Jewish uh, Kabbalistic ideas and, and, and Gnostic ideas. And so um, it's an example of like, you know, even in our own camp, even Jews who are often persecuted, they also have needs for scapegoats. You know, I, I look and I see like there's this desperate need to find someone who could fill that role of that evil force in the world. Um, and, and for someone who doesn't know a Jew, it's very easy to point to the Jews. And someone who doesn't know a Gnostic, which is just another kind of religion in the world, it's very easy to point at them. Um, and I think I'm, I agree with you which is uh, really to shun all those kind of generalizations, you know? Absolutely. And what's interesting is that the Torah tells us Amalek, right? 
we don't, but never tells us who Amalek is. We kind of have to figure it out for ourselves. And for the first time in my life, I understand what Amalek is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amalek is not a group of people. It's just, it's just the people that are distancing you from God. You know, Asher Karchabaderach. They're the ones that, that chill your relationship and intimacy and fire with God. And that's what we have to revive right now is this intimacy with God because that's going to accelerate this process that we're mm -hmm. in and get us to the destination we all want of peace on earth of you know what the Jews have been longing for for 2000 years mm -hmm. so I think you're right I think we have to stop with the blame game uh, take accountability for ourselves and the love or the hate we feel in our heart filter it out you know elevate the consciousness best we can I agree. That's why I love talking with you, Gila. That's Aww. the message that I want to put out in the world. Um, should should people go see doctors? Are doctors useful in the modern world? So yes, you know, I've heard Dr. Christiane Northrup say this. We need doctors for definitely for the mechanical fixes. You break a bone, just like if you break a tooth. You need you need a, a hands-on physician that, that has been trained and knows what they're doing. In terms of chronic diseases, it's very different. Autoimmune diseases, I feel like a lot of these diseases have been induced and feed off each other through the big pharma. You know, you, you try to cure one disease and you you just they, you get you sick and keep you sick. So I stay away from doctors as much as I can, except in emergencies. Like my daughter had needed a gallbladder surgery. I was grateful for the medical system, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, again, the, the basic premise that I always come back to is, is refuat ha-nefesh comes before refuat ha so there's always a corresponding ailment in the soul that manifests in the body. So to have a true healing, you could have, buy time with a doctor. You could get a Band-Aid with a doctor. But for you to heal your body, you need to look for the wounding to your soul. And when you find that, that will be the lasting healing to the body. Mm -hmm. um, do doctors think on the whole, obviously there's always exceptions, obviously you can always find, but let's see majority wise, it's like 90 plus percent. Do 90 plus percent of doctors think that COVID is real or no? I don't know. I haven't taken a survey, but I feel now that we have some distance between the event, mm -hmm. they're starting to do the post-mortem and they're starting to realize that it wasn't what we thought it was. I spoke to a cardiologist in my office a couple of days ago, and all he kept saying to me, Amichai, was I did the best I could with the information I had at the time. Like he was, he was confessing to me, and he and I would, I would say, it's, you know, instead of presenting my side, which I try to do, I understood he just needed compassion from me in that moment. Mm -hmm. As he, I saw the sparks of awakening happening in his brain, and it's such a massive reckoning coming for humanity that humanity was taken by these evildoers, you know, and, and they had us do it to each other. I remember seeing, you know, like a teenager giving a shot in CVS to another teenager. I'm like, look at this war. They're having us kill each other. Mm -hmm. They're having us give it to each other and they're laughing. Mm -hmm. Again, same question for the vaccine. Do you think most doctors, let's say 90 plus percent of doctors think the vaccine is effective or think the vaccine is, is dangerous or ineffective? Like another way of asking that is, do you think most doctors took the vaccine or do you think most, like, do you think 90 plus percent of doctors took the vaccine thinking it was safe? Or do you think doctors were skeptical of the vaccine? So here's the thing. If you're a doctor, you were, you were brought up inside the system without mm -hmm. even knowing. 
The medical system was how they came to power. If you look up, oh, there's so many good videos. I, I'm not good at giving over this information verbatim, but it's like Rockefeller took over medicine about a hundred years ago. And they, you know, instead of, they called holistic remedies quackery. That they start with language, discrediting language. This is what mm -hmm. narcissists do. So they discredited everything that had worked to heal the body until then holistically from natural, you know, fruits and vegetables, things that God gave us to heal the body. And they gave us, petroleum-based medication, which makes you sicker. So somebody in medical school, oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about. They get you in debt, right? And so you become a slave to their system. You have to work God knows how many hours. They work you like a slave. They pay you very little. Till you get, Even when you get out, you have to scramble to try to make it for yourself as a doctor. So you have very little time to even entertain the fact that maybe what you're working for is a scam. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've been scammed. And the reckoning with that is huge. Imagine your whole life, you have to say, for the past 40 years, they've been using me to make people sicker. You understand? Most people would rather die than have that realization. Think about pediatricians. Vaccines, I believe childhood vaccines make kids sick. Mm -hmm. Make kids allergic to nuts eggs and whatever they give them allergies this is what i believe autism there there is no no vaccines given in vietnam and they had no autism in their kids there's so many studies and these studies are suppressed this this information is suppressed and censored so that to answer your question doctors are going to be the one of the last populations to to, to wake up because this was their life and their livelihood. Imagine if that was you. Imagine if you're a pediatrician and you vaccinated thousands of babies. How are you gonna live with yourself? Mm -hmm. Do you think life expectancy is better in the modern world than it was, let's say, 100 years ago when toothaches were the one quarter of human suffering? Is child mortality better or worse in the modern I think, world? I think that there's two ways to look at it. I think there's the acute and the chronic. I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of great fixes to acute issues that have prolonged mortality. But I think they've made us live longer and live sicker mm -hmm. and not even know it. How about child mortality? Like the I think, I childbirth, think mother, mother, mother survival rates during childbirth and things like that. I don't know enough to speak on that, but I, I do know the overall picture is that they've taken God out of it. This is the this is the game. They try to take God out of everything and medicalize it, institutionalize it. Like like Chris again, Christiane Northrup says she's a she's an OBGYN, right? She said they take the baby right the first second away from the mother, you know, and they it's just the natural process that God had in place, we stopped trusting it. Just like the immune system, we stopped trusting the immune system that God created inside of us. We thought we could do better. I've heard Dr. Bruce Lipton say this, that the way to get your immune system functioning starts with the mouth. You know, the, the germs go in and then they get past the sentry guards of the lymph nodes and everything gets converted inside the body. And that's how you have a robust immune system. Human beings came around, we thought we could do better by injecting toxins, paint thinner into the bloodstream and shocking the bloodstream. 
and shocking the body. And, and we think that that's a better immune system to create. I mean, come worse. They second guess God's perfect system. And that's what bothers me the most. It's an mm -hmm. assault. It's an affront to God. Interesting. Thanks. So it sounds like a lot of medicine you think is, is very great. You mentioned mm -hmm. gallbladder surgery. I think earlier you mentioned antibiotics, um, obviously anesthesia and, and all sorts of, you know, but, but there's certain types of medicine, specifically vaccines that you think are, are poison. Exactly. They, they mix the good in with the bad to confuse us. You How? have to be able to hold dialectical thoughts in your head. Medicine is good. Medicine is evil. <laughs> yeah, that's the game right now of the PSYOP is to hold conflicting realities inside your consciousness. How how would a doctor or a pharmaceutical company or a government determine if, let's say, a, a, an antibiotic or a vaccine or a birth control pill or a Viagra pill or something was safe for the general population? What would be a good way to like answer those questions such that we can produce tools and medicines that actually are safe and not poisonous? I think we have to go towards, well, I think Einstein said it, it's all going to be energy medicine eventually. We have to get away from this notion that a pill is going to save us. If you have something, if you need Viagra, there's something wrong in your in your soul. Hmm. Something's been wounded inside of you. You want to take a pill the rest of your life or do you want to figure out where you've been wounded and then and fix it inside your soul? Mm -hmm. That's a much better way to do it. Yeah. And a case that is interesting to me, um, I've been reading a lot about recently is anti-venom. Um, like anti-venom is also one of these like amazing modern miracles that save countless lives. So if someone gets a really bad snake bite in America, we're not, we don't really experience this, but in Australia, like they have like very poisonous spiders, for example. And like, you know, 50 people a year uh, have, you know, bites by, by very poisonous spiders. Um, and, and my understanding, I'm curious if you have a different understanding, but my understanding is that we have anti-venom that, that is effective against that and can save many lives a year. And, and the way those work is they basically um, inject the venom into a horse or a rabbit. So the rabbit develops antibodies to the venom. And then we inject the antibodies that were developed by the rabbit or the horse into the human. Does that, it's, it's a very similar, how does that so, process so sound here's to Here's the thing, Amichai, they, they took wonderful, correct premises of that to convince us that vaccines are okay. Mm -hmm. That's you're 100% right and the body does do that conversion and it does help save lives. But then they took that and they skewed it to this industry, billion dollar industry of 72 vaccines before a kid is 18. And you'd say the same thing for the flu vaccine, I assume? Oh god, please don't give anyone you love a flu vaccine. Please I'm begging you. This is Dr. Judy Mikovits says that we're turning people into AIDS patients the more we vaccinate them. You're killing the immune system. Mm -hmm. Even if a person's elderly or, or immunosuppressed or has like an no, suppressed immune system. No, it's the opposite. Think opposite. Think mirror. If, mm -hmm. they, if they're telling you this is going to save the lives of the elderly, it's they're telling you you're going to kill the old person. Mm -hmm. Think mm -hmm. opposite. Whatever big pharma is telling you, do the opposite. Okay. Um, <laughs> There's a concept of excess mortality. Excess mortality just means that like um, on average, this many people die at this time of year. Um, 
And, and of course, every year it's different, but there's a very, there's a very steady average number, which is pretty similar because when you deal with large populations of people, um, averages come out pretty consistent. And then excess mortality would be this year um, is a graph breaking from that average. So like if average, I don't know what the numbers are exactly, but let's say on average, uh, if you know, a thousand people die or something in some time frame, this year did, did much more, much less die. So there's a, this concept of excess mortality. Um, and you could find charts of excess mortality online. Um, when you look at those charts and there's many different ones and data is collected from different ways and whatever, like the, 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 the standard charts looked at like when COVID ramped up, excess mortality was very high and there was peaks and there were some drops and peaks. And then when the vaccine was introduced, excess mortality dropped significantly. Now it's maybe a little bit above average. That's sort of the standard narrative that you find if you look at excess mortality charts online. I wonder how you think about it. Do you think the data there is wrong? What do you imagine that true excess mortality chart would show? I think it's been, I think it's been manipulated heavily. I think, I think that true data would show that the vaccine has caused more deaths than anything else. So you think that COVID would be a flat excess mortality? And then when the vaccine was introduced, excess mortality rised. So it'd be the opposite. Yeah. That's what you, that's what you think. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, even within the truth or community, that's, that's not a unanimous position. So like, for example, Dr. Tzvi Zelenko, uh, Shalom, rest in peace. Um, he, he believed that COVID was definitely real and he was treating COVID. Um, also Frank Zelenko, his brother talks about, testifies to having worked with his brother Tzvi. Uh, is that, yeah. is that what yeah. was it? Zev. Zev. Sorry. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Zev. Right. Zev Zelenko, Dr. Zev Zelenko. Um, having the, the two of them working together um, to to cure patients, and and he developed a protocol. So even within the truther community that are, let's say is anti-vaccine, and believes that the COVID vaccine is dangerous, there still is a debate about maybe the first part. So 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 Zev Zelenko is a big believer that the vaccine is toxic and that the vaccine is dangerous, but he would disagree on the first part of the chart because he would say there was excess mortality before the vaccine, as well as after the vaccine. Well, what I believe about that is that because of the mistreatment, because his protocol was suppressed, right? They hid hydroxy, they, they hid ivermectin, um, they took it off the shelves and those were effective treatments. And because they hospitalized people and gave them wrong treatment within hospitals, um, I don't think that the cause of death was strictly from COVID, the, the bio weapon COVID, which was manufactured in a you know, bioweapons lab. I think it was the fact that it was it was a more virulent virus that was released intentionally, coupled with the fact that they hid the correct treatments. And then, you know, in hospitals, they gave remdesivir, which shut down the kidney, put people flat on their backs so the lungs filled up with fluid, vented them, and that was the protocol of death. Didn't let the families in to see them so they could do whatever the hell they wanted incentivize them with $40,000 per death for COVID death. I mean, in hindsight, it's, we're going to be horrified. Mm -hmm. Have you, um, have you asked any doctors about that $40,000 per COVID death uh, statistic? Have you spoke to any doctors about that? No, but it's just what I saw on the internet. Listen, we don't know what to believe. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know, but mm -hmm. I just know what, what can't be manipulated is the knowing of my soul and mm -hmm. understanding that perspective of war, the war on, on God and good and evil. Mm -hmm. And the details don't really matter. 
once you have that vantage point of understanding that they came for us with souls, the people, the soulless people came for those of us that have souls because mm -hmm. they want to control and destroy. Right. So, okay. Yeah, I understand. But again, there's, um, there's the big debate. Again, I, I'm, I, I'm a little bit curious to hear how you think about this debate about was COVID real or not real? Because one opinion, opinion is that it was a real bioweapon that was unleashed. Another opinion, that's like Dr. Uh, Zev Zelenko's opinion. Um, another another opinion is uh, that that it was all a hoax. How do you think about that debate? That's, that's a very, I, I know a lot of people on both sides of that debate. How do you think about that debate? Well, I think there was, I had COVID, so I understand that it was real. I, you know, I couldn't taste or smell for a, a while. So right. I know something was there. I was it um, there? They, there's a whole group of thinking that it was radiation poisoning, nothing to do with being viral, which is interesting. Mm. I don't know. I know COVID was real. I know whatever that disease was, people got sick. Mm -hmm. um, but it was also a hoax, meaning that they used it to perpetuate this campaign of fear to keep us in our homes, to you know, institute the six feet apart and whatever else came along with that campaign to um, suppress humanity. Mm -hmm. to terrify us okay and doctors were they on the good side or the bad side when were they trying to help people or not well the the ones that understood what they were doing were the, were on the side of evil the ones who were innocent you know didn't understand what was happening are innocent just like the rest of us i always go back to the fact that until you know you don't know and i i vaccinated i gave up my kids all the childhood vaccines because i didn't know you know, there is a point where you go from not knowing to knowing. There's that threshold that you cross. Mm -hmm. And at that point, when you know and you're still doing, then you're guilty. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you think that human brains are susceptible to just being misled all sorts of ways, charisma, um, you know, do you think there's a danger maybe in just relying too heavily on intuition? Because do you think intuition can lead people wrong? Definitely. I just had that experience in the crypto world where I was misled with the awakened narrative. This this woman had a channel, 50,000 followers. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the narrative, the Q narrative says is there was Trump has um, an executive order to, to seize corporate assets of corrupted organizations. And she said that this is going to be the new stock market. These are the digital assets on the stellar network. And it makes perfect sense because this is the narrative that I believe that the, there is a tremendous military operation going on and they are seizing power by taking, by stripping the money away from the evil, the evildoers. So I found myself falling for somebody charismatic again and that awakening is so hard also because not only was i lied to in the normie world i was lied to in the awakened world mm -hmm. so and what what took me out of that how i woke up amichai was because she was lacing it with anti-semitism and mm -hmm. i was like if she's a white hat if she's a good person she's not going to keep saying jew like we were talking mm -hmm. about before She's going to understand to say Satanist instead of Jew. And mm -hmm. she wasn't. So I was like, something is fishy here. And then eventually I got myself out. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's, what's the standard normie narrative around COVID? Like, 
how do you how do you think about that? And and why is it why is it so so obviously unacceptable? Like what's what's because the biggest the plot? The narrative is that the government is here to help. I think Ronald Reagan said that the five most dangerous words. I'm from the government and I'm here to help or something like that. It's um it's to understand that the government is the center of the cesspool of humanity, the swamp, mm -hmm. and they're never here to help. And they got in bed with ph big pharma and together try to take over of the planet <laughs> simply mm -hmm. as that. And that's the normie, the normie narrative is to think that medicine is here to help you and the, and the government is here to protect you. Mm -hmm. Once you can shatter that illusion, you're free. It's mm -hmm. so hard to come out because it feels so safe to stay inside that bubble. But you're free. Once you once you let yourself out, it's a certain freedom that comes with the death of that illusion. Mm -hmm. We talked about how medicine can be helpful and how you do feel grateful in certain cases. Are there cases where the government can be helpful and, and we can feel grateful towards the elected officials and the, the government that, you know, spends our money. They pick up the garbage. I'm grateful for that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Me too. That's a big one. Yeah. Very yeah. underappreciated. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, there is some government systems that really help us stay um, structured and civilized. But again, there's, there's a lot of good people inside a bad system. Mm -hmm. Do you think that like, democracy can make it better like if we if we elect better politicians that can be reformed or no i think we have to get away from the model that we need leadership and i think we all have to step into our own autonomy mm -hmm. and be the leaders of our own lives in a, in a moral wholesome ethical where you want the best for your neighbor where you want the best for yourself as much as you want for yourself you want for your neighbor once we elevate to that place we will not need leadership or government i think it talks about this in yamosa mashiach like we're not going to need a whole infrastructure of leadership we're going to just it's going to be utopia it's going to be a true utopia where you know it's we've elevated ourselves out of the fear space. Mm -hmm. You have any questions for me? How are you, where are you holding in this dialogue right now? I know we spoke two years ago. Where, where's your heart? Where do you, where do you stand? Um, I think we live in a very troubled time in our society. I'm I think that uh I think that science and technology and medicine are are miraculous and they've done amazing things but I think for various reasons and some of them quite legitimate I think a lot of people are rebelling against uh medicine um I think medicine itself is is important extremely valuable but I think a lot of medicine delivery is broken in our country it's insanely expensive a lot of people are cut out from it and it's very faceless and impersonal yes. and alienating. And it makes people feel alone and scared. And I think because of that, doctors being overworked um, and, and just distrust of big pharma, I think I think stems from a distrust of capitalism, you know, a sense that it costs uh, uh, $10,000 
to get uh, you know a, a chemo treatment or something and you're dying and you're going to suffer and you have to pay an insane amount of money and go bankrupt you know i think so much is broken that it leads to this visceral intuitive sense that the system is is sort of rotten at the core um so i believe where i'm holding i appreciate the question a lot is mm -hmm. that i think we need to fix major structural things in our society i need to think we need to fix um i don't i think medicine should be a human right to everyone. I think doctors, we need to move to a world where um, doctors have more, uh, you know, space for patients in the healing process. And I think that, I don't think, we, I'm not sure we could do that. I'm not saying we're going to succeed. I hope we, we can get there, but I think we have to get there. And if we don't, I think we're going to continue to see this rebellion um, against doctors, the sense that doctors are inherently corrupt or inherently uh, evil or bought by big pharma, which, um, which, which I don't believe because I think that even though big pharma is for profit, every corporation is for profit. The people who make airplanes are for profit. The people, you know, um, who sell you your, your fruits and vegetables at your groceries are all for profit. Um, but we have systems in place to check the safety of the fruits and vegetables and check the safety of airplanes and check the safety of drugs. Um, that's, so that's my perspective. My perspective is that we're, it's, it's, it's a very dark time in our society. There's a lot of justifiable, understandable anger. Um, I think a lot of people are suffering. And, and they look and they see these institutions of, of power, institutions of medicine that are uh, largely seem responsible for those, for those human suffering. And I don't, I don't know if we're going to, how we're going to get out of it. You know, I don't have any, any good solutions. That's, that's the way I see it. There's a plan. I do believe there's a divine plan and I do believe that there's a military plan. So don't feel hopeless. I think, I think that there's a lot of good things to come and the best is yet to come. With, with your children, are you choosing to vaccinate or you're, you're waiting? I do. I believe, I believe in the efficacy of vaccines. I think that vaccines are one of the most um, impactful ways in which we reduced mortality. Um, it used to be uh, polio. I, I have a book behind me in the shop. I interviewed the author about it. It's called, um, I can't see it right now. Oh yeah, here it is. The approaching storm. It's about World War One, and it talks about polio in New York City and the way kids were um, just, you know, it was spreading, and 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 doctors had to come in and 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 pull kids away from their mother to quarantine them. And the mothers would freak out, and it was it was horrifying. And we don't have polio anymore. And there's so many examples of that. Uh, well, we know they stopped spraying DDT at the same time polio went away. Okay. So there's other, there's other, there's other perspectives, there's other ways. Yeah. you know, good. So I, I thank you for, for sharing that other perspective, but I know there's different perspectives and, and, but you can say there's, there's a lot of vaccines that we give in each. I think each vaccine has a story, you know, tetanus, um, it, it saves, I think saves countless lives just like, you know, uh, and, and anyway, um, that's my perspective. Just space them out with your kids. Don't give them, don't give them all at once. Space it out if you can, because even if you do believe that it's good, it does overload the system at once. Okay. I appreciate, I, I know, I love, I love that you, you come at this with a place of compassion and love and concern and I feel it. And, and that warms my heart and that warms my heart. And so, and so thank you. And, and, um, and I appreciate that. Lots of love.